Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to White Wine Question Time, where we're continuing to record during the 2020 lockdown. And a remote recording is probably just as well this week because my two guests are dialing in from two different continents and yet they remain intrinsically linked as they have done from the moment they set out on their path to becoming Britain's most famous sporting double act. In fact, it's hard to think of one without the other. They go hand in glove. Having met as teenagers in Nottingham with a shared passion for ice skating, their undeniable chemistry on the ice saw them skate their way into the history books with the most magical performance of Ravel's Bolero at the 1984 Sarajevo Winter Olympics, which won them gold and the highest score ever awarded in ice skating, all cheered on by 24 million Brits watching back home on the telly. More recently, they've returned to our screens with ITV's Dancing on Ice, which, all being well, will be back on our screens next January. So let's dial them up. I'm going to be calling Jane Torville here in the UK and Chris Fedeen at his home in America's Colorado Springs. Thank you both for, for connecting with me in these weird and strange times. How are you both and where are you both? Yeah, well, I'm out in Colorado in the US of A. And uh, thanks for inviting us. It's, it's great for us because Jane and I, you know, we don't get to see each other as much as we would normally now. No. So we're a podcast yeah. like this, we although it's just sound, we can actually see each other as well. Well, I'm in... Um, we can. This is great. I'm in the UK in East Sussex. Having some really warm weather today, so yeah, nice, isn't it, Jay? From where I'm sitting, it looks like you, you could almost be in a tropical rainforest with the backdrop <laughs> that we've got behind you. Your garden is amazing. Shit, I always say it's a screensaver, but it's real. And <laughs> <laughs> um, how have you both been in lockdown, and how long have you been locked down? Gosh, well, I, uh, you know, we finished um, Dancing on Ice finished on the 9th of March. And that following weekend is when it all locked down. And so I was on an airplane on the Monday going home. And it seemed by the Thursday, it had all happened and or happening. And my partner, Karen, um, she was due to come a week later. But if she'd have hadn't have changed her flights, she would have been stopped from traveling. So um, since that time, it's been sort of Groundhog Day for the, <laughs> the last several weeks, you know, it's the same each day. So it's, it's coming up with a regular routine, isn't it? It's, come, it's waking up each day and saying, I'm going to do this, this and this, although it may seem the same. Yeah, it's, it's, you, I think everybody has their own sanity structure in terms of kind of surviving this with your physical and mental health intact. How's it been for you, Jane? Well, I think every year when we do Dancing on Ice, Chris and I are together for like four or five months working and, and so on. And it, it suddenly it's always a bit odd that suddenly he's gone back and I don't see him for a couple of months anyway in the summer. 
Um, so it started off like that, but then it became the lockdown as well. So, you know, I felt even more sort of restricted and, you know, my left arm had disappeared because he was back in Colorado <laughs> kind of thing. But we've, we've obviously been keeping in touch all the time. Um, and, you know, I have to say we're, we're very lucky that we do have a nice garden and we've been able to get out. I have two children, uh, one who turned 18 on Saturday oh what a rubbish lockdown 18 I know and and my daughter's 14 so um you know they've been really good my daughter's uh been doing uh online school like through video links their school's been Mm -hmm. really good for doing that to keep the the routine going um my son has technically finished school now and is waiting to go to uni in September so a whole new life awaits him yes. once we come out of this. Chris, your kids have grown and flown, haven't they? Because you're not you're not sat there doing homeschooling like Jane and I. Not in the same way, although um, they're a bit boomerangish. That um, <laughs> one went away and he's come back, <laughs> but he is <clears throat> he's doing college online at the moment, um, and the other one actually has started working. So. Um, it's amazing you know they do eventually leave and (laughs) get a job and do things wow Um, so just hang on to that thought yeah through homeschooling I'm really holding on to that thought (laughs) trust me I was doing a still life of a banana earlier creating a shadow (laughs) (laughs) you know what we've um with some of our dancing on ice uh family every Sunday we've been getting together on zoom and doing a pub quiz and so, and then we, we rotated around who sort of hosts it. Yeah, you uh, can that, imagine. That's been a lot of fun. You can imagine they're, they're super competitive because some of them are skaters and everyone's a bit competitive about it. Mm-hmm. And I keep coming last. Except for Jane. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, guess what? My Cardo's just arrived. Woo. Oh, <laughs> it's Luke in the onion van. Wow. <laughs> Chris, you have no idea. <laughs> Had a moment. This is in it lockdown. It is. It's it's so exciting. It's well, like the it, highlight of your social life, isn't it? Yeah. Jane has been <clears throat> telling me that you know sometimes you have to wait for two hours just to get in line to get online. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's that much better now. Hideous. It's much yeah. better now, but it was yeah, it was hard. That's why it became so exciting when you <clears throat> get a delivery. Um, normally, the way this podcast would work is we would be together. There would be wine, and we punctuate three questions with. Three glasses of wine. <laughs> it's how the best conversations happen, I find. I'm Obviously, sure. we, we can't do that in lockdown. So um, I'll kick off with your first question to you both. And I will, from my kitchen island, raise my glass to you. So first question. Um, when I started reading back on your, your stories, it struck me that there was this kind of almost sliding doors moment where you both discovered skating. And it was almost by accident. Chris, for you, it was a relatively new stepmother who bought you a pair of skates. Was it for Christmas? That's right. Yeah, no, Christmas. Um, I lived in a little village called Calverton in Nottingham. Um, And it was only 10 miles from the city centre, but it it could have been 100 miles because transport and getting there um, was very far and few between. And so I got the pair pair of ice skates um, when I was 10 for Christmas. And it was two weeks before I actually got to the skating rink to be able to get on the ice and, and, and try them out. So for that first two weeks, I just walked around the house at home, well, the flat at home, um, creating mayhem for the people downstairs. And 
very quickly I realized you need these plastic guard things to put on your blades, otherwise you Ruin cut them. up all the, the lin- linoleum all around oh. the house. So. And Jane, for you, it was, it was another, again, a, a sliding doors moment. You went on a school trip. Your school trip could have been to a museum, it could have been to the theatre, but it just yeah. so happened that it was the ice rink. Yeah, I mean, it was just uh, the teacher that was, um, she was our teacher for the class, um, said, um, who would like to go ice skating? Because I'm going going to try and organise a trip. And um, so I got permission because I begged my parents. I said, oh, please, can I go? Please, can I go? And it was was such an exciting thing to to do, to go into the city anyway. Um, But when, as soon as I got onto the ice, I was watching people that could actually do it. And I was just trying to take it all in. I was like a sponge because I really wanted to be better than I was. And I was okay. I wasn't like falling around. I had a sense of balance, but I just saw some really good skaters. I thought, I want to be like that. (laughs) But isn't it amazing for you both that those those two moments went on to change everything? And I I guess my first question to you both is, um, are there other moments in your life where fate has intervened and taken you forward in life in a way that you'd never anticipated? I think there's been lots, really, haven't there? Quite a few. Yeah, I have to say the biggest moment has to be, I suppose, that the fact that the two of us wanted to go ice skating. Yeah. And at some point, those, as you say, those sliding doors, um, we ended up facing each other at some point and making a decision, shall we skate together? Uh, you know, equally, it could have been no. <laughs> well, I started... Um skating with um michael he was called when i was about 14 i think or maybe a bit younger you were younger than that because you were national champion when you were 13 so she doesn't know either (laughs) so me and michael were pair champions he was older than me he was probably about 17 and i was 14 and then we we were chosen to represent great britain in the european championships um but then not long after that the partnership finished and I was, he wanted to go to London. Yeah, and I was very good friends with Chris's partner, uh, Sandra. Sandra, uh, and she pretty much did the same thing. She went off to London. Went down to the yeah. big smoke, didn't they? And so we were both without partners then. And after a few months, um, Chris's uh, coach said, "You know, we need to find you a partner." And and she thought I would be a good partner. Again, it's what, another one of those sliding door moments. Yeah. Um, circumstances happened that brought us together Um, and then our coach at the time that put us together after a short period of time she finished and then we directed ourselves to another coach that then she directed us to other people within her circle that just led to these moments I think everybody's life is about sliding doors Mm. Um, but it's sometimes, you know, where those sliding doors take you and, and um, how you can utilize it uh, to its best at the time. And so, you know, fr- from our point of view, when we started skating as, as kids at the rink, there was very little practice time. And so early on, we um, trained ourselves to utilize the small amounts of time as efficiently as we could. And then as we got better and we were able to afford to go away to Germany to train, that that um, training early on allowed us to be as intense 
over a longer period of time. So I think using every minute we have. Yeah. But also, yeah. I mean, in terms of the hours that you put in before you you, you turned professional. Uh, Chris, you were working as a policeman, and Jane, were yep. you working in a call centre? No, I was working in an insurance office. Right. The Norwich Union. It's the Norwich Union, and I don't know what it's called now. It's called something else, but yeah. Aviva, isn't it? Didn't something it like that, yeah. Oh. So, so you both had regular jobs, but you were still skating furiously. So in order to work around Chris's shift, sometimes you'd have to, to skate through the night to get your practice in. I would have, I've been on, I would have been on afternoons, so I'd have gone from two till ten um, on the streets. Jane would have finished at five o'clock, so she'd have to stay awake, and then I'd go straight from the police station to the ice rink, still in you know uniform minus the hat, <laughs> and um, we'd get changed there, and then we'd do you know a three or four hour session, then do the ice, go home. I would go to bed because I wouldn't have to work until two o'clock, but Jane would have to be at work at eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So the shift system really was really messed, difficult to work yeah. around. Yeah, yeah. Messed and around. how long but did I, you do that for? Three, four years like that. Wow. I know it sounds a bit cliche, but <clears throat> we both come from very working class families. My, you know, my dad for his whole life was a miner and he'd been underground for I don't know how many years, but... <clears throat> Yeah, he worked up until the last few months of his life, but he worked seven days a week. I mean, he, he actually liked going to work. I don't know whether that says anything, but <laughs> he did work. <laughs> he did work seven days a week, and um, it was just that work ethic. And I, you know, I I left school at fifteen and a half to become a police cadet. Um, so I had two weeks off from school to going to work. And so there's always been that in our background. And I find it hard now to actually not do something, you know, <laughs> on these down times. So um, they're, they're difficult periods for me because I always feel like I should be productive in some way. And then when you put sport around that and the sense of competition and the amount of dedicated hours that you put into that, does that ever leave you? Are you better at, at downtime, Jane, than Chris? Uh, I think I am because... Um... Chris, she is. Yeah, he. Um, if we're working on something and then um, it comes to the end of the day and we maybe go have dinner together or something, he's still is still going over in his head. And once I've left the workplace, the ice rink, I don't want to talk about it. So I want to just focus when I'm there. I want to focus on that, but I don't necessarily want to continue talking about it for the rest of the day. I mean, sometimes you have I think, to. But... I think that that's now. I mean, when we were younger, yeah. our life as amateurs and getting ready for the Olympics and everything, your day revolved around oh, the yeah. practice, yeah. Um, getting costumes ready, getting music cut, listening to music. Um, I, again, on the ice, off the ice rehearsals. So it was a, those periods were all day. I think now, certainly, you know, with Dancing on Ice, I think, you know, you go into that, that period of time, but then you like to yeah. cut off. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm different. I'm still choreographing or thinking or working or doing something, but that's the way I'm <clears throat> wired, I think. That's probably why we work together. That's why it works together for us. Yeah, Jane, 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 we'll just, Jane will just give me eye rolls. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
Well, this really takes me beautifully on to my second question. Um, you are, you're, you're Torval and Dean, you're bread and butter, you're gin and tonic, Anton Deck. You are so intrinsically linked um, that it must almost be like you have two identities. You are yourselves, but ultimately you are as one. Is, is, would, would that be fair? Would that be a fair summation? And yeah. I wondered what it's like to, to live with an identity that's not entirely your own. I mean, we knew each other from the ages of nine and ten. And, you know, we're getting up there now. <laughs> and so the majority of our lives... It's been life, 20 years, right, Chris? Yeah, <laughs> yeah something like that. that that's Jane's stock answer. Yeah. Yeah, about 20 years. <laughs> yeah. um, I think we've always identified ourselves as Torval and Dean and Jane and Chris um, as our... We're such close friends. Yeah, uh, I mean, we grew up each other all through our, our teens. Um, and, you know, that's a difficult time for a lot of people. And we were, we are both like only children. So we we got that sense of looking after each other quite early on. Chris looks after me more than I look after him. <laughs> <laughs> she needs a bit more caring these yeah. days. <laughs> Come on, dear, oh, this way. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, oh, if only he was closer, you could punch him down. Yeah, I would. <laughs> yeah, I would. Um, but yes, we just, you know, we've had this extraordinary bond in that we both had the passion for the skating and the competition. Um, but at the same time, we always looked out for each other as, as brother and sister, if you like. Um, but it's kind of more than that, because what we've achieved together is, is very special to both of us. The only parallels I can draw would be conversations I've had over the years with Anton Deck who had a very similar um, route with their friendship. They met, not at a similar age to you two. They are known as one. Of course, they're individuals, as are you both. But you kind of, you have a responsibility to one another that is, is unspoken. And yet there must be times where, certainly after you, you retired from professional skating, you step back for a bit, you, you then have to go and re-identify who you are. And then you come back together again. And that happens almost on a yearly basis now with Dancing on Ice. Now, how do you do that? How do you slide in and out of those different hats that you wear? Um, it's easy. I don't think it, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm going to say it doesn't feel that hard mm. because um, it's, it's, and also in what we've done, skating, choreography, physical movement, there is that sort of connection through physicality as well as mentally as well. Mm. And so I think, you know, from a, a work point of view, we know how each other moves. We have a, a dialogue that we can speak to each other very quickly and get right back to where we were. I mean, obviously things might happen in that, you know, period of time that we're away, but we we talk to each other, you know, almost every day or every other mm. day. Um, we, we we don't have a disconnect whereby, oh, what have you been doing for the last four or five months? Um, it's not that. I know what Jane was doing yesterday, you know. Um, That's and an so, extraordinary friendship, isn't it? It was um, funny. Uh, there was a funny moment. I don't know whether it was not this year or maybe it was this year. Chris had come over for a few days, like in the summer, and that eve it was mainly we were meeting with the stylist and going through outfits ready for the upcoming Dancing on Ice. And I and Chris had arrived maybe a couple of days before, but I hadn't actually physically seen him. So I walk into this room and 
we knew that we were going straight from this uh, meeting to have dinner with our producers. So I walked in and because of I'd had to walk away, I got these flat shoes on. I had a dress on, but flat shoes that didn't really go with the dress. So I walk into this room and the first thing Chris does goes, and then <laughs> he looks straight at your feet. Yeah. And he said, <laughs> I said, hi. I said, don't worry, I'm not wearing those tonight. Because I knew exactly what you were thinking. Do you remember? It's an unspoken yeah, dialogue. I said, but, oh, I've got no. other shoes in my bag. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it, I, I mean, I don't know if you can, I don't know if you can appreciate how extraordinary a connection and a friendship and a relationship you two have compared to most folk, I guess. I, don't, I guess you, you know. don't because you're in it and it's what you're, mm. we've always been used to, really. Do you not think that there is a, a point at which a lot of married couples could learn from you two? Oh, absolutely. Uh, were, we always say that the reason we've um, been together so long and been such good friends is because we're not married. <laughs> it's much better that way. Yeah. Uh, you know how married couples say, don't take an argument to bed. Well, we don't take an argument off the ice. If we have a dispute, we resolve it. And we always leave the ice, you know, friends. We don't really argue that much anymore anyway. But when we used to, no. we used to say, we we said early on, like, you know, whilst we're arguing, because you do have moments where you disagree with things. Um, and it's usually a technical thing to do with a step or something. Um, but we decided early on, like, whilst we're arguing, our competitors are practicing. So stop arguing. <laughs> Get on with it. <laughs> See, that's, just, that's a really intelligent workaround to any dispute. And you're right. That, that, that's that's. Re- I mean, seriously, you should think about relationship counselling, like <laughs> offering it for other people. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Maybe that'll be it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Do you miss each other when you're not together? Yeah. I, I mean, I always have this moment when after Dancing on Ice, and I think Chris said that, you know, we suddenly we separate and we've been together for so long. And um, I think you know, we're used to having the downtime straight away after Dancing on Ice, but I think it's just been a bit more strange with the lockdown and everything. Um, and and I, I don't know when it first happened. I didn't know when I'd get to physically see Chris because, you know, even now the flights are all a bit weird, aren't they? And normally Chris would come over, you would come over maybe July, you were planning to come over and we'd have meetings leading up to the mm-hmm. new series and so on. But obviously now they're all... Yeah, Zoom calls all the way. Mm. How yeah, do you... I mean... Sorry, Chris. We, the, there is that, you know, we're intensely together these days and then it's that um, separation. But I think we, we, because of Dancing on Ice, we know that it's going to happen next year. It's going to happen mm. next year. And so... Um, but what about I, I those years when this, it wasn't on? Because that, that, there was a big gap for a while, wasn't there? They were, they were big years, yeah. They, for me, personally, it was um, a, a harder time. It was hard and because we didn't know what was next. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jane was trying for a family. I was just newly married. Got a new house here in America, so it was a whole new ball game. But then, when Dancing on Ice came around, I mean, that was just like a whole new lease of life for <laughs> Torval and Dean, you might say, for us. And Jane, how, what was your experience of those years? Busy uh, in other ways, like we were trying to start a family, um, and then when my son was two, uh, we got the call about doing Dancing on Ice. 
and you know I was like I was like hands-on full-on mum was never gonna have any help um, but yet at the same time I was drawn to this new project of, of dancing on ice and that I thought and that when we we were both asked about it um, how are we going to teach these uh, celebrities to skate and we were like oh it never work <laughs> but then we went then we started <laughs> we started thinking about it a bit more and um and and I got quite excited because it was again it was a different thing it was uh, we'd always toured um as professional skaters we'd done our own shows and toured the world but this was a different thing working in television in the studio mm. it was completely different for us you know it was all like all happening and all exciting and all new and different and we didn't know how well it would go you know in in our minds it was it was one series it was just going to happen once i don't think we could think beyond that um and then you know they were so pleased with it um from the very first show of the first series you know it it got amazing figures viewing figures and then it just got better and better for that whole series and they realized they'd already decided they were going to do it um the next year so and the year after <laughs> and it continues now so how many years in are you now we've just done 13 haven't we because there was a three-year gap 12 or 13 yeah yeah, yeah. and then yeah. all being well there will be series 14 come january yes depending on the, the health yeah i mean state of the world i think you know it's all new protocols um ways of working that i think all TV productions and film productions are are now engaged in uh, making it work, and so and it has to work. I mean, they TV has to make TV, yeah. And so um, there has to be a workaround in, in in whatever form it is, but it will happen. I think I think Absolutely. also um, with Dancing on Ice, it's, it goes on air in January. We've just got that extra time than some of the other big programs have to figure it out and and our producers can learn from how other programs are managing to do it or work or what's not working mm. i think we've got that advantage with dancing on ice all eyes are on strictly yes yes yeah i mean yeah. they will obviously be the forerunners yeah. yeah yeah and these are conversations that you know people like us who work in this industry we're having all the time how do you do this you know shows mm. need an audience Otherwise, yeah. it's just people on a stage or people on an ice rink. Yeah. You want that atmosphere. It's really hard, isn't it? And we, yeah. we all have to figure out a way to do it well and safely. Safely, yeah. And I think we will. And I think we will. And I think science um, is going to bring this along as well, you know, whether it's through vaccines or treatments um, that we'll all get back to some sort of place that we're comfortable with. I don't think we'll ever go back to not knowing about this now i think no. it's all in our psyche forever and and it's made us view things differently it's extraordinary uh, isn't it when you consider it's yeah. only been six months and yet it feels like it's stamped on our brains indelibly yeah absolutely yeah no i've um i, I obviously i'm going to remember it but i you know a, a generation of children are going to remember it too yeah because uh, you know, they're old until they yeah. get older as well yeah yeah. On, a, on an earlier edition of uh, this podcast, um, Roman Kemp summed it up beautifully. He said, I feel like I'm living in a GCSE question from 20 years' time. <laughs> There's every it's chance absolutely. there will be questions yeah. about it. Yeah. yeah. What, um, where were you? What were you doing then? Exactly. It's one of those moments, isn't it? Yeah. It really is. Yeah. It really is.
Okay, time for your final question. I wanted to know about the moment that you consider so magical that you would happily relive time and time again. <laughs> and then subsequently, a tragic moment that, that you could delete it forever, be it from your mind, your history, or even the World Wide Web. <laughs> Obviously, my magic moment um, is the Olympics and Bolero Same. because um, we, we, we worked our life to that point and we didn't know what was after that. Mm. So in retrospect, I would like to go back and look at that moment. I mean, I can see it on video, or I think it's 16 millimeter film these days, but <laughs> I, can, I can look back on video and I can see it in its 2D form. But if I had the chance of immersing myself into that space again, mm. you know, I think they, they say to people that are getting married, take it in on that day because generally that's going to be the one of your highlights of your life and for us that was our day mm. and and to be able to go back and because we were so focused um so in the zone and so you didn't have necessarily the opportunity to take in the audience and what was happening around else. you and everything yeah no so, peripheral vision just intensely focused you can watch that moment back time and time again and you've reenacted it. I mean, I think you've skated that dance over 2,000 times now. A lot of times, yeah. Yeah. But is it more about going back to that moment and feeling it again, actually yeah. tuning into your... To, rather than being so focused on what you're skating, actually yeah. feeling that moment? We did have the chance about... How many years ago was it? Five years ago. It was the 30th anniversary of the Olympics. Of us winning. And we went back of winning and we went back to Sarajevo um, we went back to the venue which had been bombed during the war but they rebuilt it and this was sort of a launch of reopening it and they the city of Sarajevo asked us to go back and in actual fact going back I, I've seen things for the first mm. time that I didn't remember but then actually getting into the building and meeting some of the people one of the one of the real fascinating things was that one of the people that were looking after us she was um, 36 but she had been the flower girl on the day that went to pick up flowers just oh, before we skated yeah you see you see and 36 uh, years later going on when you see the footage uh going on yeah. to the ice uh, i don't know how many of them there were but she was one of those girls and she came to meet us personally um, when we went back oh. it was so sweet and, and Jane, for you, you straight away, when I asked about a magic moment, you just went, yep, same. same. There was yeah. no... <laughs> yeah, it's the same thing. So it's not about the day that you became a mother or, it was, or for you, Chris, the day you became a father. It's about those four minutes, 28 seconds, which technically you, you could only have your blades on the ice for four minutes. So you even had to choreograph this incredibly beautiful moment at the top of the routine where you had to keep your, your blades off the ice, didn't you? Correct, yeah. That, I mean, that really led to those... That opening position, those iconic um, pictures that were taken of the time that people, you know, obviously refer back to. And whenever they do that, it, it's that moment. But out of necessity, <laughs> that's where that came from. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? And Jane, yeah. do, do you share that sentiment with Chris about those those four minutes? Would you, is that what you'd like to go back and, and re-experience? Again. Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't change anything when you watch it. You can't change anything, and we wouldn't want to. Um, but yeah, like Chris said, it would be nice to remember a bit more about the atmosphere mm. and what was going on, and um, 
Yeah, but it was it was uh, the moment that, as Chris said, we didn't know what we were going to do in the future. And mostly um, uh, uh, competitors would turn professional straight after their last major competition and do an ice show for a couple of years. Um, and that was that. But we never envisaged that we would still be doing it um, this long. So we're so we're so grateful each time, you know, even through the aches and pains, we're so grateful that we can still do it in, in some way. So Do you see how we keep avoiding numbers so people can't do the math? <laughs> <laughs> the Olympics was eighty four, they were twenty five. Leave it there. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you, what you've done for the sport is incredible. I mean, we didn't live anywhere Thank near you. an ice rink as a kid. But I remember in 1984, I was still at school and I was out on my roller boots. And I know it was screened in the afternoon in the UK, wasn't it? I can't. Um, probably. I don't know. Mm-hmm. The Olympics. I remember being called in because you were about to take to the ice. And okay. everybody, all the kids on the estate had to go in. Oh, really? Oh, really? <laughs> we, all the kids on the estate got to go in because Torval and Dean are about to win gold. It was, like, it was a given. It's extraordinary. And, that w- and, and that's the pressure that we heard of everybody saying, well, it's not a question of will you win, but how much will you win by? Mm-hmm. And so we would always, you know, put our fingers in our ears and go, la, 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 because we didn't <laughs> want to hear that sentiment at all from our point of view. Well, we just didn't want to have distraction that. Distraction or um, pressure. Distraction yeah. or pressure of, of that it's not a given, that in actual fact every day you still got to work for it. Yeah. Even though you, at the moment you're the best, but yeah, one you know, fall away from time, it. You might not. Yeah, you one fall, one mm. slip. Which away takes from us to your tragic obscurity. moments. Are there moments that exist? That I mean, when I say tragic, I don't mean you know the worst of times. There is a wrap it in some comedy maybe <laughs> um, to soften the tragedy. But are there? Is there a moment that you would gladly just erase from? From public, from public gaze, certainly. Well, I think I think one for me was, um, well, both of us, but when uh, we were training 1983 for the Europeans, and I we mm-hmm. had a really bad fall, and I fractured my shoulder blade, and so we had to miss mm-hmm. the Europeans, and you know we're on a roll because we're already twice world champions. Uh, this is the season before the Olympics, and. You've got to stay up there to to keep having a chance to be the best and keep pushing yourself. And there's loads of people waiting to jump into your spot. And for us to miss a major championship, we'd never had to do that before. And it was just, we couldn't even bear to watch it on the television. We stayed in Germany where I was getting treatment. We couldn't bear to watch it, could we? Um, and we just trained and trained. Even Chris's face now, he looks like he's, he's yeah. contorted by the yeah. memory. I wish you could see everybody listening. But oh. I think that's also gave us some character of coming back from that as well. Yeah. And, and, and the determination, because I think mentally you can will yourself to get better quicker. I mean, that's a bit zenish. I know I, I understand all of that. But I think there are some positive things that if you feel that you need to get better to prove yourself you can will that whether it's determination but if there's this like oh well it's passed it's gone we'll sit back and we'll wait a year um that's a different Mm -hmm. mindset 
And for us, that was never the case. We were going to come back. So we actually had to better, come back, I stronger. think, stronger and better than we had if we'd have gone to those championships, potentially won them, and then gone on to the world championships. There was a six-week difference. Yeah. And so we we had those six weeks um, to get ourselves up to the level that we felt. But we worked even harder yeah, to we get did. Um, even stronger um, and that was that um, Barnum period when we worked with Michael Crawford and all of that period. So, um, I, you know, like I say, I, I think these are character moments that it actually you can I learn think, from this. Well. I think so one I'm, that I would like to delete is when my dre- my dress I, I, came down New in York. New York. <laughs> New York. <laughs> we were we were in Madison Square. Madison Square, Madison Square Gardens. Gardens. And uh, this is a funny and story. <laughs> and we were doing somewhat of a serious. No, number, we were guesting um, with. To... No, no, I'm thinking of Fred and Ginger. We were guesting with uh, ice capades. No, it wasn't Fred and Ginger. No, that's Ginger. when the whole select came on w- and it came down. You're thinking of the other one. I know what you're thinking of, but it. Eleanor well, Rigby, maybe I've, my, my boots flashed. come out twice at Madison Square <laughs> and you Gardens. Didn't know th- <laughs> you didn't know it, but a friend of ours was taking pictures and she totally caught. It was flashing. this moment. But the, the other yeah. one that was felt I feel was more serious was that <laughs> I had a halter neck dress like a la wow. Fred and Ginger. And near the beginning of the routine, I did something where Chris's hand was on the neck and it hadn't been Costume fastened failure. that well. It should have had a better fasten. And it suddenly started to fall down. And that was the only thing that was keeping. So I, I ended up, I, I was dancing like that. I kept doing that. And then. I wasn't the Tom Cruise night as I well. I can't actually. remember. No, no. Um, but no, then no. At, at one point it did come down. And because the choreography was all going to pieces. It was all messed up. And then Chris was furious. I was in tears. Chris was furious. He went into the wardrobe lady and had a big go at them and telling them that they needed to sort the costume out. But that was uh, that was oh a my- moment where you just don't know where to hide because it's there. Oh, Jane, at the moment you said halter neck, I started to panic for yeah. you. Did you have anything on underneath no, the costume? No, because the, the, um, the, oh the bra cups were in their costume. But what yeah. made it worse was the halter neck and all around the top bit was all beaded. So it was heavy. So as soon as it came undone, it was boof. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was awful trying to dance like that, trying to hold it up. <laughs> Jab handing one on. at a time to keep one boob in. Yeah. And and it was Tom Cruise in the audience. No, that was a different was... time. That was in Toronto. Well it was still in Toronto. Was yeah, it Toronto? It was... Not Madison. No, Square. Toronto. Oh, uh, okay. Because you mentioned it was during a Fred and Ginger and we were doing a Fred and Ginger number and he came backstage with a, a friend. <laughs> and um all the girls in the cast, um, her ginger girls, they, she was in the centre of the line and she got edged, this edged, edged me. right up to we, the end as they were taking a picture. The routine was like, <laughs> we were Fred and Ginger and then there were several of the other girls were different gingers. That was kind of the story. And um, and I had to find yeah, the right something ginger. like that. He found me, so that was all good. But um, yeah, they, they all said, oh, can we come and have a picture with you? Can we come? They're all excited. And I said, yeah, sure. But they gradually got next. I was at the end of the line in this picture. I got pushed <laughs> out. Pushed out, yes. <laughs> and they were taller than me. I am ginger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's Very going funny. on here? Yeah. Oh, Jane, I really feel for you in those moments because um, there's, there's that, yeah, that, that, that wardrobe malfunction, we've all been there. Yeah, yeah. Keeps you awake mm-hmm. at night, that kind of thing. But it yeah. all could always be worse. Oh, yeah. You think. 
I'm thinking about how it could be worse, but yeah, <laughs> it could. <laughs> we did have one boy on one of our shows, and um, funnily enough, his name was John Thomas. Oh. And um, it was an opening night, and he was doing a very serious Mahler number, which was like five minutes long, and it's all slow and sort of somewhat tragic. And within the first 30 seconds, his pants split from um, waistband to waistband. And obviously, you know, he's a dancer, so he wears just a dance belt. And so for for the rest of the five minutes, the audience... They were giggling because we were in in Australia, so they they didn't care. Um, They started... They could see everything. Yeah. Yeah, he was, yeah, all his bits were up. But he carried you, on. You don't he wear wasn't pants, gonna the stop. pants are sewn in on Well, those. he it's, had a dance belt on. A dance belt, it's literally like a, a thong. Yeah, yeah, geez, yeah, it's a thong. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I feel for you. But this, listen, this is a perilous game, isn't it? Yeah. Ice skating. The show has to go on. <laughs> it really does. Um, yeah. When do you think that you two will be back in the same room together again? What's yeah. the plan? Maybe uh, fingers crossed. August, yeah. September. Yeah, Hopefully. that's when uh, the next plan is. We're looking forward to that. Um, yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to see you back on the ice. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Um, it's Thank so you. We're lovely. looking forward to getting yeah. back. Yeah, it'd be yeah. nice I, to see you. And 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 dancing on ice actually are putting together some sort of shows to encapsulate what dancing and ice has all been about. So I'm looking forward to seeing those on the TV. When are those coming out? Thing. Is that is that something that's uh, coming out? We're not soon? sure yet. Hopefully, you know, closer to when the show goes out, yeah. but not sure, but it's... Um, so many great yeah, moments. It, so many. We, I just watched something, uh, you know, uh, a snippet of You forget of it, what, all the it stuff just made that me happened. Smile. Yeah. Like, you know, Todd Carty. Mm-hmm. Classic, classic <laughs> moments. Uh, yeah. the, the thing that I feel most sorry about for Todd is, you know, I grew up, as did you, watching Todd probably on things like Grange Hill. Mm-hmm. And then he has all those years in EastEnders. But the one thing, anytime anyone says Todd Carty, <laughs> you just think of him flailing on the ice. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. It's kind of defined yeah. how you think of yeah. him. I think he's okay with it, though. I think he's more than okay with it. And and yeah. then, of course, the spectacular Gemma Collins moment. There are just so many. Yes. <laughs> you. We've had, you know, I don't think people realize how precarious it can be until you see all of these moments put together. It's, yeah. And then you get somebody like Perry who comes along and you think, Perry's a shoe in, Perry's a shoe in, and Joe wins. Yeah. And you're like, what? (laughs) And I'm sure Joe will forgive me for saying that, but, you know, you just can't call a show like that sometimes. No, no, the audience have their say, that's for sure. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. that that you know, and we give them that power and, and they, they, they use it. They use it well. Yeah. Well yeah. for however long we are left lockdown, look after yourself. Yes, you too. Thank you and, so much. And Chris, straight safe journey back to the UK when you, you finally make it. And Jane, enjoy that beautiful garden behind you. Thank you. you. <laughs> White Wine Question Time is produced by me, Kate Thornton, and Caitlin Mercer for Yahoo UK, and edited by Callum Goddard-Mucklow. Music is by Andy Bell, whose back catalogue and new material is available on iTunes and Spotify. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WhiteWineQT. Just tell your in-home smart speaker, OK Google or Alexa, followed by the instruction, take me to White Wine Question Time. And remember, before I leave you, wash your hands, stay safe, and always drink responsibly. I'll see you next time.